Welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 127, and I'm your host, Michael Citro. For this episode, I'm looking back at a classic Rush album that doesn't seem like a classic Rush album because it was later in the band's catalog, but Rush's Counterparts album came out in 1993. That makes it 30 years old, just celebrated its 30th anniversary just a few weeks back. Joining me to celebrate this Counterparts extravaganza, uh, a couple of members of Rush fans. Who are Rush fans? Well, if you go to at Rush fans on YouTube or at Rush fans on Instagram, you will find out more about them. I was joined by Ryan Murphy and Jim Benner of Rush fans. You can also find them on Twitter at underscore Rush fans. We uh, had a great time talking about Counterparts. We went track by track and we gave our song rankings at the end so uh something for you to argue with us about and just a great way to relive that album if you haven't heard it in a while before we get to that discussion i want to remind you to go to michaelsrecordcollection.com that's my website it's got links to everything including my free newsletter that comes to your email every week there's also a link there to my patreon if you like this independent podcast and want to support me there's ways you can do that go to patreon.com slash michael's record collection check out the different levels of support and uh, that starts at just as little as two dollars a month there's also links there to my social media accounts you can follow me on twitter at mike's records and at michael's record collection on facebook youtube instagram and tiktok you can drop me a line at michael's record collection at gmail.com i'd love to hear from you All right, with the housekeeping duties out of the way, let's get to that discussion of Counterparts, fantastic Rush album that just turned 30 years old. Here we go. It is uh, hard to believe, but it's been 30 years since Rush put out Counterparts, and that's what we're here to talk about today, uh, 30 years of Counterparts. I am joined by Ryan Murphy and Jim Benner of Rush fans. Uh, uh, Ryan, why don't you explain what rush fans are is are (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah what rush fans are are the fans of the greatest (laughs) band in the world uh what rush fans is is um yeah it's it's our community that we're building on on instagram twitter and and youtube and uh i'm sure probably watching this on youtube um what we do on youtube is Rush Roundtable is one of our series uh, that started back right before the pandemic. Uh, kind of every week we put out a or every Friday morning, we'll say we put out a, a discussion about Rush. It kind of just uh, it, it was started small and kind of took off uh, or a little over 200 episodes at this point. Uh, Rush Deep Dive, where we deep dive every single album. We've had the legendary Donna Halper uh, on all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. She broke down a lot of the Rush albums with us. Uh, we have uh, a rush quiz series on, on the channel, uh, and just various other stuff. So, uh, definitely check us out on YouTube, uh, rush fans, all one word. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Jim. I'm going to ask each of you this question. So it actually gives Ryan a chance to think about his answer. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests, what was your first favorite record? Oh man. My first favorite record ever of any band at all. Yep. First one that just oh, grabbed you as a kid. Uh, holy cow. You know, uh, you know, probably I'm, I'm not really sure, but I'm going to, I will say that Pink Floyd, the wall really grabbed me. Okay. As a kid. 
It did. And even going back a little further, Sergeant Peppers, Beatles, Sergeant Peppers, Lonely Hearts Club Band, that, 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 that grabbed me too. When I was, when I was young, like 12, like, a, like younger than that. <laughs> oh, can I change my answer? Absolutely. A little bit. <laughs> sure. So at Christmas of 1978 or 77, one of the two, my brother got the first Boston album. Hmm. And I got the album uh, Herbie Mann, Fire Island, uh, which he, Herbie Mann's a jazz flautist. And I love the heck out of my brother's Boston album. <laughs> so I, I think now going back and thinking more, since I didn't think too good, it's going to be the first Boston album that grabbed me. Okay. Going with See, this is the benefit of Ryan going second because Ryan's not <laughs> having a chance to think about this. I think about geez, it. I'm still thinking about it, but <laughs> I, it's not Rush, and I've told I can tell the story if you want. If we get to it, I got into Rush much later, but um, it, either a lot of the rock bands that I got into, I got into through like greatest hits albums. So I, I want to mm-hmm. not say that. I want to give you an actual record. So either Motley Crue's Doctor Feelgood or Metallica's Ride the Lightning. I would say probably. Oh wow! First like Ride two the Lightning. Records. That, that's probably my yeah. favorite Metallica album. Those yeah. are probably the two first albums that i owned in full okay for me it was the uh it was kiss alive was my first favorite oh but i grew up in the midwest and you were contractually obligated in the 70s to love kiss when you were a kid uh kid growing up in the midwest (laughs) especially when it drives your parents kind of crazy because my mom was like is that satanic music? I'm like, no, mom. <laughs> well, it stands for Knights and Satan service. I'm like, mom, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> mom. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I used my to get... parents think I'm crazy and they hate the things I do. Right. You know, there's <laughs> yeah, a song. Yeah. They wrote a song about that. It's called yeah. flaming. Yeah. Youth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there used, you go. <laughs> I used to get crap from my parents about it all the time. And then I caught my mom doing the dishes, singing, shout it out loud one day. <laughs> and that was just there the best. Go. That was just the best. Uh, but (laughs) so that's great. But uh, uh, Ryan kind of, uh, I wouldn't say jumped the gun, but kind of, uh, had a premonition of of where I was going. I do want to ask about uh, each of you, how you got into rush where, when did you first become aware of them? What was, what was your entry point? So I guess I'll start with Ryan this time since I I made Jim go first last time. Yeah. So this one, I don't have to think about, this is an easy one. Um, my entry point into rock and roll music was actually through kiss. Um, but so I guess funny enough, because Kiss toured with Rush in the early days. Uh, well, Rush toured with Kiss, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, my entry point into Rush was back in high school. This was 2007. I'm 30, the same year as Counterparts. I was a Counterparts baby, um, I like to say. Uh, <laughs> so 2007, freshman year of high school, playing poker with my buddies, um, and my buddy plays Fly by Night from his Blackberry at the time. And I go, what is this? This is pretty good. I like this. And he goes, this is this is a song called Fly by Night by this weird band called Rush. Okay. This is September, October-ish. I said, hey, mom, can you get me this greatest hits Rush album for Christmas? So I got the Spirit of Radio greatest hits. Lo- <clears throat> loved Limelight. Loved Spirit of Radio. Loved you know Free Will. And the rest is history. And then I just, you know, power windows and grace under pressure. And I, I got into, you know, moving pictures. Then I started buying the full records and the rest is history. 
Jim, what about you? What what did do? Uh, what was your entry point to Rush? Uh, so it was uh, 1982, and uh, I was on like the school bus, and this friend of mine played Tom Sawyer, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what the heck is that?" They're like, "Oh, it's this song Tom Sawyer by this band Rush." I'm like, "Man, that's pretty good." He goes, "You know, there's only three guys." I'm like, "Whoa, three guys making all that racket." That is awesome. So that the fact that they were a trio really grabbed me and they were doing so much. Their their parts were so great. They were busy, but busy in what I think is the right way. And we all know that their songs are fantastic and their writing and their musicianship. We don't have to talk about that, right? But that's how I got into it. So I told my mom, like, oh, man, I love this band Rush. I found out about them. I want to get an album. So she went out and bought me. The, the the wrong album because I wanted moving pictures. I got sig I got signals, which was brand new at the time. And I'm like, ah, darn it. So I put it on, I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I love it. Oh, this, this is the right album. album. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so that's how I got into Rush. Okay. I um I will tell you that my favorite Rush album is Signals. I had Steve and Jerry from uh, Something for Nothing Rush fan cast on and we we talked about that album Sweet. a little bit. And um, yeah, yeah, my my favorite. Um, my entry was very simple. I, I heard them on the radio, and I bought the forty five of Closer to the Heart. I I actually had to sneak out of my neighborhood to go to the department store to buy it because I wasn't allowed to cross certain streets, but I did it anyway. And uh, that was that became a, a favorite forty five of mine. And then um, we moved like about a a couple of years after that, I guess. And I remember my buddy had Fly by Night, and I borrowed that. And I played the crap out of it for a couple of days and then I was hooked. And then when, uh, th and that was early eighties by then. And, mm. and I remember MTV seeing the videos from moving pictures and going, okay, this band's really, really good. <laughs> I like them a lot. And Oh yeah. Went, went back uh, was... there backward and forwards and got everything that they ever did. Yeah. Those, those videos from the movie pictures, um, you know, recording session and then from exit stage left. Those are like some of my favorite videos of theirs. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Uh, I just, oh, yeah. the, you know, the, the snowy scenes outside of the studio and all that great stuff. Heck yeah. Oh man. That's awesome. All right. So I told you my, my favorite is signals. Do you guys have a favorite rush album? I, I think, uh, I think I'm from an album perspective. I think I will go, it's it's so hard it changes day by day just like everybody right signals is is right up there you know if i had to pick one i would probably pick signals because it was my first album i got so it really does hold a special place in my heart um another well i'll just do one because I, I could talk forever so i'll say <laughs> signals That's okay <laughs> what about you Ryan? <laughs> so the wrong album is your favorite album yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> way to go, mom. Yeah, way to go, mom. <laughs> uh, way to go, Mrs. Benner. Um, yeah, so mine is, is Power Windows. Uh, anyone that watches our channel will know that, but yeah, I, I think that's the first full rush record that I had was Power Windows. I think, but again, other than greatest hits, maybe it was Grace Under Pressure, but I'd say Grace Under Pressure was probably my first favorite, but. Power Windows was right up there at the time, and I've kind of grown to love Power Windows. That's my license plate. 
I live in New York. If you see a if you see a car with the license plate of power windows with no no vowels in it, that's me. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, love snakes and arrows too, and love counterparts. They're and signals. That's probably my top four, but and it fluctuates. But All right. well, so counterparts was the fifteenth studio album for Rush. Released October nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. So not la- not that long ago, it it surpassed thirty years. And at the time, it's funny because the tour started in nineteen ninety four, which would have made it the R twenty tour, <laughs> <laughs> if they had such a thing back then. The same naming conventions yeah. that they that they adopted later. And interestingly enough, they I don't think they played anything on that tour from the first three or four albums. They uh, they kind of concentrated on on later stuff. Oh wow! Uh, but it, it, right. it just a, a really uh, it was. I remember at the time I was I was uh, that it came out. I didn't really catch on to it when it first came out, like I had had been doing for every new Rush album. Because at the time I was trying to pay off medical bills while I was uh, still a student, so I was I was working three jobs. Uh, because I broke Oof. my ankle playing hockey and I didn't oh. have insurance. So a trip to the oh. emergency room and a broken ankle and crutches and all that adds up. So I was working a lot of jobs. I wasn't really listening to a lot of music at the time. So it really took me. A, I don't think I heard counterparts until Test for Echo actually came out. And I think I bought them at the same time. Um, oh, wow. And so I wasn't ready for this sort of sea change in their sound. It, it wasn't ready for this. This. Um, I know that the band has been uh, has said that they were influenced by having Primus open for them and and Pearl Jam and that kind of thing and going to a more spontaneous direction, more guitar oriented. And I know that during the the making of this album, there was a little bit of tension between Getty and Alex because Getty brought his keyboards into the studio, and Alex was <laughs> like, "You're gonna you're just gonna put your keyboards all over everything and." And that's not what happened. They they really did go back to a more streamlined guitar and a, and a trio sound. They used the the keyboards for a little bit of more flavoring and textures, and they even put some strings on this thing. Um, but this album made to number two on the U.S. Billboard 200, making it one of the band's highest charting albums. Went to number six in Canada. What do you do in Canada? They're, they're your own guys. You got yeah. to do better. Than that. Um, Gold status in the U.S., but platinum in Canada because platinum's a uh, hundred thousand sales in Canada. Uh, recorded at Le Studio in Moran Heights, Quebec, and at McClear Pathé in Toronto. I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly. The last one at Le Studio, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Produced by the band with Peter Collins and Peter Collins, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Shirley recording it and Michael Metho oh, mixing it. So. Uh, uh, really, an all-star lineup of people in charge of the knobs on this one. Oh yeah, man! And you know, listening to this, and I've I've talked about it, and even wrote about it a little bit. You know, I I, I can't say enough great things about what Kevin Shirley did with with this album. I mean, I I think I I, I think I think I'm no expert, but I think that he had a a pretty good hand in, in what's going on and kind of brought things out of them. And that that's how I think about it anyway. And I think it turned out incredible. Yeah. So, uh, that obviously their heaviest album in quite some time from the band, maybe their heaviest, maybe the heaviest album. Yeah, done. I think so. 
I mean, from a full album perspective, yeah. To that point, it, I would say, yeah. 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 So to the point, yeah, yeah. You've got this. Trails, Clapper, you've got yeah. the yeah, yeah, that's true. Vapor trails. Vapor clockwork. Yeah. Um, so you've got these keyboards that already started to be used a little less on Presto. Uh, this was definitely a, a very much a. I'm one of those weirdos who loves Presto, but I do recognize that it, there's a sterility to the recording of it, uh, the production, I guess, that I don't think does yeah. the band quite justice. I like Rupert Hine, but I don't maybe think he was the correct producer for them. But uh, here they come back with this. And, uh, you know, obviously music by Lee and Lifeson, like, you know, has been customary uh, lyrics by Neil Peart, except for one song that's an exception we'll get into. And the personnel, you know them, you love them. Getty Lee, bass, vocal synthesizers, Neil Peart, drums and percussion, Alex Lifeson, electric and acoustic guitars. They had additional keyboards from John Webster and Michael Kamen did the orchestration and conducting on Nobody's Hero for the uh, for the strings. And guys, let's just get into it. Yeah. Animate smacks you in the face. First track. Neil counts the song in, which is unusual. And that already gives the album a little bit different flavor from the start. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's, it's really cool hearing that that, that counted. And the counted is is so faint, you know, like like Neil sitting there, you know, with the mics all on his drums, because when you're recording, you do not have a vocal mic. Right. Mm. Except for scratch vocal, which is going to be giddy. Right. So it's almost like it's picking up maybe his snare mic or something that's picking that up. And it's really quiet. And it's like, wait, what, what, what is that? And you wind up turning it up a bit to hear it. And then you just hear the drums. Da, da, da. And it's like, oh, cool. It, it 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 sounds great. The groove that he plays in that is so good. It's such a nice groove in that. And even in subsequent, you know, live albums that he played, he sort of held it back a little bit on the groove. And I think he made it um he made it feel even better. Yeah. I will say that Neil has stated that this is one of his favorite songs that, uh, that, you know, very proud of this song Um, right from the get go. So so right from the get go, you hear uh, one of the band members put it, it's quite literally a return to their roots and a return to the nuts and bolts. Hence the cover the nuts and bolts of rush the the hard rock progressive metal whatever you what kind of a band is rush it's rush to quote gene simmons right <laughs> um, so yeah but yeah and i think i think we definitely need to point out you know the themes that run through this album too right as we start talking about these songs and these lyrics you know mm-hmm. counterparts things that go together duality i mean it runs through almost every song if not every song 
starting with animate and yeah i could argue that animate's a top five rush song okay i think animate's that good it's that good and it's it's that important in their catalog um and it's it's obviously one the band the whole band loved too because of how often they played it live after it came out right you know r30 r40 yeah and, Time Machine? No, they played a couple other ones from this record on Time Machine. No, but it was on it was on different stages. <clears throat> yes, as well. Different so they stages. Did the t- test for the three tour. different. Yeah, so four tours out of like six or seven, yeah. right after. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So it's also interesting that they they start with the chorus. It's not a, a a normal thing for them to do either. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they do. They they do, and it, and it's kind of cool that it's. Uh, it doesn't get super it doesn't really get super heavy until after that chorus right yeah. so after the vocal comes in and then it the, the music gets a lot heavier which you know for, for me really drew me in now you could say this about almost any rush song but for me the real the real joy for me is listening to that bass line from getty in this song because it's amazing and it was reportedly played through an amp that was rescued from the studio trash and repaired by one of the <laughs> studio's techs. I've heard uh, that. Yep. Oh. It's got great energy. Uh, it's a great album opener. Yeah. And phenomenal. This is everything with Alex. I'm a guitar guy, so I like to talk about the guitar solos, but a very perfectly executed guitar solo very peaceful the word peaceful comes to mind when i hear this guitar solo it's not in your face flashy it's it's very atmospheric and and peaceful is the right word but it's definitely a kind of a calming type guitar solo rather than you know what's to come on the next two songs (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean he just that guy just has a knack for playing exactly what the song is oh and and he's not the third member of Rush that everyone forgets about. He's Alex freaking Lifeson, and yes, yeah, yeah. Agree with you. yeah. By the way, I do want to point out that all three of us have a Rush shirt on, and they're all three from different albums. It's true. So Ryan's wearing his counterparts. You got your Grace under pressure. I got my Snakes and Arrows uh, armor and sword shirt. Nice. So I was going to ask you yeah. guys that before we go on to the second. Before we go yeah. on to the second track, what? Uh, how many times have you seen the band live? Six. I've seen the band live six times. Twice on Time Machine, three times on Clockwork Angels, once on R40. 13. Um, every tour since Signals, except for R30. Okay. So I've only seen seen it once on each of those tours, but I, I was not able to go to R30. And I'm at, a, I'm at an even 10 started with power windows uh, saw them on presto saw them a couple times on clockwork or a couple times on uh snakes and arrows in fact my bachelor party was a rush concert oh nice <laughs> that's a great that bachelor one. party that, that's a great bachelor party yeah, I, I got to- married after the band retired or that probably would have been mine too <laughs> yeah they were playing in columbus a week before my wedding so i drove up hung out with my buddies and said we're going to see rush and that's i don't i don't need nice. and stuff like that just take <laughs> let's go see rush might be the best bachelor party you could have ever planned yeah, yeah, that was that was Heck a great yeah. time. 
So awesome. let's go to track two, stick it out. single from the album came out October 93 debuted at number one on the billboard album rock tracks chart. The band's only number one debut. Uh, the only time they debuted at number one. Uh, and there was a video for this one. And uh, I believe that was mm-hmm. a Beavis and Butthead uh, video that uh, they got to make fun of rush on their show a little bit. I think it was this song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, it, it's, it's to me, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, because you are probably a little bit more expert on this band than I am as much as I love them. I think this song might be the first time I recall hearing the so-called quote unquote Getty chorus background vocals. But I may be wrong. They they, they really started oh. to lean on those later in their career. They they used them a lot. Yeah. Um I guess I yeah, know. I guess so. Yeah, I mean. Could For have been, because sure. I, I mean, like, plenty of songs on Test for Echo come to mind where they're doing that, Getty's dub, dubbing his own voice, you know, mm-hmm. on the chorus of things like that. But right. yeah, I, I can't, nothing earlier is just coming to mind, and I hadn't really thought about it, so, but yeah, yeah that that's true. This might, this might be the first appearance of the Getty chorus backing vocals. Um, it's definitely noticeable in the chorus. Rush ended up using this, this technique for the rest of their catalog like i mentioned there's i think it was uh, snakes and arrows had it a lot too but um it, more on later albums but this is a great riff driven song what are you ryan what do you like about stick it out what do you not like about stick it out uh not much i guess it's i will get to this later it's my least favorite song on the record believe it what? or not yeah, I I don't know why Man. it just doesn't you know this this song about a guy sitting in a chair at the top of a pole doesn't really do it for me. Um, <clears throat> to quote Getty introducing the song, of course, in <laughs> reference to the music video. You know, it's a play on words, it, but you know the title. I don't know. Stick it out just doesn't do it for me. Wow. I, don't, I don't have much to say about it. I'll wow. let you talk wow. this song up. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> All right, so you know, in the the early '90s, we saw we saw grunge coming, right? You know, the bands, you know, great, fantastic bands, right? You know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, all these guys, right? So to me, this is Russia's closest answer to that style, right? 
And it's it's really great that it's so heavy. It's it's very riff driven. You know, it's a really really cool riff. And um, you know, Get- Getty even says about his bass, his 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 heavy bass, which is very heavy as well. He said, "I love the riff. It's a great riff song. I love playing it, and it's a very bass heavy song, which always makes me happy." So that so that's a direct quote from Getty and from the from Constance yeah but yeah but pressure. don't 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 but, don't don't rule out the lyrically it's kind of so so part of the quote well too. yeah yeah I think that's yeah. where it loses me like I just don't but know what it's yeah, about and I like a, well I, I, I always listen well, I to the do, music but I don't. first right so so the heaviness of this and just kind of the you know the rocking of it you know really really gets me and. Um, you know, and I feel, and I actually wrote, I'm, I'm actually reading from something that I wrote about before and, and I posted on Rush Fans a long time ago. So this is, this is, this is me quoting me. <laughs> I said, Neil gives his, his Ludwig super classic drum kit a workout. You can feel the power and intensity of his playing, you know, not only on the song, but on the whole record, but on this song, you could really feel that intensity. And I think that's what I really like about this song with Alex Getty and Neil's playing. You feel that. I love the heaviness of it, and I love that it's melodic at the same time as being heavy, right? And I love the different tricks that that Neil did, you know, turning around, you know, his ride cymbal pattern and things like that. I'm a drummer, so I all, always focus on to onto what Neil does. But I, I absolutely love the song, and it is way higher in my list than number 11. <laughs> Let me just put it this way: I don't hate the song. Like, no, I, no, <laughs> I, I love all of Counterparts. It's just, yeah, in my opinion, the where least, it, where it the least lies. best song yeah. on the record. Yeah, like I just don't, I don't relate to this song for whatever yeah. reason. Just, yeah, just isn't one of my favorites. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think I don't skip anything on this album. I, I don't think I skip no. anything on any Rush album. No. But, uh, no. but no. yeah, you do have favorites and and lesser favorites. We'll call them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. So that was a good uh a good counterpart point by you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it is a it is a good Neil song. And and I will agree with yeah. mine. I don't think it's I don't think it's the best song lyrically on this record and or or in their catalog for that matter, but um it's fine. I think it, it, it rocks. I definitely give it that. It's fine. That yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'll give That's it I'll, I'll go ah. to Let's go to track three, Cut to the Chase, another <gasps> great riff-driven song. Can't stop moving. Can't stop moving. Can't stop. You may be right. It's all a waste of time. I guess that's just a chance I'm prepared to take. Uh, Alex's solo on the demo was the one they used on the song. Yep. Hmm. So, yep. I mean, that's, I mean, he got it right the first time. So <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, it, it, they quite literally cut to the chase with this one. I mean, the music is synonymous with the title, right? I mean, it's just very straightforward. Uh, yeah. I will say if there's any song on the, uh, any song on this record that is Alex Leipzig 
coming out of this synth era where, you know, he kind of had to pick and choose. This is the one where he's like, you know, middle finger F your synthesizers, right? (laughs) This is the one where I'm going to show off and he's not a show off guitar player. And maybe that's not what was intended here, but that's what I get from it from, especially from this guitar solo, because this is a solo that a lot of people killer love and call back to much like the solo in the analog kid from signals. I know you talked about signals, you know, last time, you know, it's a solo that it's a very memorable solo in that it's, uh, it's fast and rocking and, and gets straight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like Alex is throwing kind of, I don't want to say everything, but he's putting a lot of different things together in that solo, whereas in a lot of other solos, he's really picking and choosing what he wants to do. You know, does he want to make it, you know, fast, you know, and kind of showy? Does he want to just make it pure melodic? Does he want to leave a lot of space? In this one, he's like throwing a few things together. And this is, yeah, this is a killer solo. Yeah. He's playing. Yep. And even the the riff is is killer. It's crunchy. It's hard. It's heavy. Um, you're right. It does sound like a a metaphorical middle finger at a keyboard uh, <laughs> the way he plays. Yeah. It. <laughs> All right. Track four. <laughs> track four is nobody's hero. I knew he was different in his sexuality. I went to his parties as a straight minority. Never seemed a threat to my masculinity He only introduced me to a wider reality As the years went by, we drifted apart When I heard that he was gone, I felt the shadow cross my heart But he's nobody's hero Save the drowning child This one was also a single, came out in April of 94. Great acoustic guitar opening. Um, or famously, Neil wrote this about a friend of his that uh, happened to be gay, who he had known when he was in England and had grown apart from as he moved on with his life. And then he found out that he had died of AIDS and and um, felt like he should be remembered for, you know, just for the little things that he did and not, you know, not necessarily something that he did that, affected the world but just the people around him. right so I, think, I think lyrically uh this is a fantastic song uh, peter collins was the one that, that uh, suggested the strings on this and michael came and mm. orchestrated and conducted i i love the subtle guitar solo be- between the two first two verses i think yeah. that's mm-hmm. an underrated aspect of this song that's what drew me to this song originally when i, I actually heard this song for the first time at- through the rush app that existed around the time machine tour where oh wow some folks might remember this every album had, was represented by two songs in that app there was two songs you could go into the app and listen to and nobody's hero was one of the ones for counterparts and really? that 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 guitar solo was what drew me 
to this song originally. Um, now, middle of the pack for me in terms of my favorites on this record, but you know, I think it, it definitely talks about you know right off the top, it, you know, homosexuality and, and which is daring for that time. I mean, really, you, you yeah, know I mean? early nineties, so, yeah, for sure, it was. But it it it's not all about homosexuality either it's quite literally about the title and nobody and and you know um you know hero is the one that saves the drowning child or cures the wasting disease um, right or that lands the crippled airplane or solves great mystery not the handsome actor who plays the hero's role the glamour girl who loves to sell her soul you know the champion player or the glamour boy it's the it's the voice of reason or the pride of purpose and it all ties back into what's on this i'm looking at this lyric sheet each song has its own little picture here and it says try to hold faith in the goodness of humanity and i think yeah in my opinion it all ties back to that that specific line yeah Yeah, i I like the way that he i like the way that it frames it because he's right because we do as a society value the wrong things in people uh, yep. and put emphasis oh, yeah. and importance on, on, you know, how far someone can hit a baseball or, or, you know, how far somebody can kick a football or whatever. I mean, this, these are things that we think about, you know, actors and, and musicians and, and he certainly, Neil was a hero to a lot of people, but he didn't feel like one. He didn't live his life. Right. like one. He, he didn't want to be one. He didn't think he That's should be a really one. good point. Yeah. I wonder yeah, if this is absolutely. kind of self-reflective too. Uh, you know, I never even thought of that until you just said that, Michael. Like, I mean, maybe this is a count. Hmm. I didn't do that on purpose. A counterpart <laughs> to um, but uh, to to a to a song like Limelight in a way, like maybe yeah. it is self-reflective because he was you like you said he he was a lot of people's hero, but he he really shouldn't be right. He he's the you know I guess handsome actor he's not an actor but the the handsome musician right mm-hmm. he's he's the the entertainer that is people's heroes when he shouldn't be it should be and that's fine it's okay to look up to those people and it's okay to take inspiration from those people from athletes from actors from mm-hmm. you know but they shouldn't be the people that were putting on a pedestal above the actual heroes right yeah I think that's, right. that's yeah. there. There may be something to that because, I mean, Neil was not shy about pointing out hypocrisy, even if it was something revolving around him. So, yeah, there could there could be some self reflection in in the in the writing of this as well. But I, I mean, I definitely love the the duality of pointing out the real hero and the artificial one that he did in the song. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is, I mean, the lyrics, I love the lyrics in this tune, you know, oddly. Well, and and this song, it kind of, there's two songs on this album that sound like they don't belong as much as the others do. And only from the perspective of what does the music sound like? And to me, this is one of those, right? But the, uh, the music is still great. It's, it's not my favorite on, on this album I, I absolutely love the lyrics and like you guys said like he's he's highlighting you know sort of your everyday person that's doing something hopefully really good positive and memorable and not somebody who's just famous for being famous which i, I could go forever about that because i think that's ridiculous mm-hmm. but- <laughs> and the 90s are when a lot of those people came to the forefront yes 
Yeah. Sure. It kind of start and and you know and things starting with uh with the reality TV stuff when you had that uh whatever that MTV show was that I think kind of started most of this. It wasn't Big Brother, it was it was something else, but anyway, people got to be famous for being on there and why yeah the, the real world like, was the uh, mtv show yeah right? it was the real world that's the one yeah so so to me they, they then everybody knows who they are because they're on tv whining and complaining about somebody in the other room yeah so so what right you know but how about those the people like the person who does save a drowning child takes their own life in a risk to do mm-hmm. something good for <clears throat> their fellow man that is the hero to me yeah and and that's same with neil and that's that's what neil was pointing yeah. out so I, I think it's and and just you're right it doesn't seem to fit on a heavy album it's got the acoustic guitar it's got the strings it's uh, beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah it's really great yeah yeah let's go to track five between the sun and moon there is a lake between the sun and moon not too many Silence between whisper and shout, the space between wonder and doubt. This is a fine place, shining face to face. Those bonfire lights in the mirror of sky, the space between wonder and why. the lake uh, this is a lot of people a lot of people's uh favorite song from the album lyrics by neil peart and pie dubois first time that he uh co-wrote a song since force 10 i believe and yeah alex yeah. does some really interesting stuff in this song he and it took me forever to realize what he was doing but he's channeling his inner pete townsend is the inner keith richards <laughs> both in this song and uh, it's it's one of the few songs where it's obvious oh, yeah. where it's obvious the band had some of these early influences that that really came out on the feedback EP. Yeah, Ryan, what you got for uh, this... for this song between the sun and moon? Yeah, I mean, um, I would agree. I think it's I think it's a very good tune. Uh, not, uh, I guess again, not one of my favorites, but definitely. Um, still solid i mean it's it's a it's a solid middle of the record track and i think yeah i think they do a a pretty good job calling back to kind of you know that 60s 60s vibe and um yeah he shares lyrics with like you said uh pie to ball which is one of four tracks in the rush catalog force 10 tom slayer and test for echo being the other three um Yeah, I think uh, you know he he kind of credits Pai Dubois for you know contributing to some of his ideas and and writing style with lyrics. So I think it's cool that he's credited. Yeah, Jim, what do you got for this one? Yeah, this yeah th- 
This one is great. And like, I just took a peek at my ranking and it's not as high as it should be, but it's hard to, it's hard to put these. Anyway, I won't talk about that. Uh, But yeah, this is great. When they played this tune on, um, I think they played this on the test for echo tour. They definitely did it in Rio. Because I have a story about that in a second. Okay, well, because I, I remember it was it was it uh anyway, I, I think it was test for echo, but anyway, it could have been another one. But I remember when uh when Getty introduced it, he goes, All right, they see say something like, Hey, we're gonna play another song. And yes, there is a link between the sun and moon. And I nearly lost it because I was like, Oh hell yeah, because <laughs> I love the song so much. It's 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 heavy. It's it's melodic. It's got those cool drum fills in it. it yeah. yeah, I remember musically. Getting, this is it awesome. was like, it was done on Rio. Yeah. So I got this thing on CD, right? And I because the the lyric sheets are tiny in CDs. I I went a while before I looked at the lyrics, and I I would have fought somebody over this. I I would have fought somebody over the fact that I thought. He was singing. There is a link between the sun and moon, not a lake. Ah, I would have ah. probably, I would have probably <laughs> dropped the gloves over that. I, w- I would have been, I would have probably bet a lot of money that that I was right on that, and uh, I was not right. Wow. Oh, the quick story I wanted to share. My buddy Matt, um, Matt Gluckman, anyone that watches our channel, his, his told me this story that his father was at one of these shows. I think it was probably the Vapor Trails tour. You know, Russian Rio. Had to have been um, where when Getty was singing, you know, why the sun, why the sun, a guy in the crowd next to my buddy Matt's dad was singing, why this song, why this song, more or less, apparently didn't like this song very much. And I always thought that was uh, a little bit <laughs> wow. uh, not That's nice. Weird. It, yeah, no. but, uh, solid track for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, big I, I will say that the lyrics aren't my favorite part of the song. I, I think Giddy in that melody could have sang any words and it would have worked. They just uh, yes to yes to ah to yes. Why the sun? Why I, I the, quite like that part. But it's, <laughs> it's interesting and different. But every time I sing it, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just ah yes to yes to ah to yes. That yeah, sounds like something John Anderson good. would come up with. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds like something it's off a, a Kiss record when when they couldn't figure out how to write lyrics. Yeah, yeah. For 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 the band, yes, it's it it should be a yes promo. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Pi Dubois put that in there. Yeah. Now was this? You maybe you know this better than I do. Was wasn't there a poem that Pi wrote? that served as the basis for those lyrics uh, uh that sounds familiar but that might have been i don't know i i can't recall but it sounds it, it definitely happened but it sounds uh familiar for sure all right well let's uh, move on to track six alien shore Ultramarine Shining bridges 
I will say this: tremendous bass work throughout this song. I mean, you could say oh, that gosh, a lot yeah. of songs. I think this is for me the start of where this album takes a little bit of a dip, but again, not in a way that makes me think, "Oh, this is bad," or that I want to skip it. Just less favorite. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Um, wow. Jim, what do you think about Alien Shore? Uh, my favorite song on the album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I, I love the, it, it, it's such an upbeat rocker. And I love the, the counterpart of Getty's busy bass line versus Alex's sparse guitar. I think that sounds, that sounds so great. Ryan, what do you, you, you pumped your fist. Obviously, oh, awesome. you like this one. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of things to say about this one. Um, I'll try <laughs> to be as quick as possible. But yeah, right. Go ahead. I'm reading this uh, Rush song by song book. I know Jim's got it as well. Um, it's a fantastic cool read. Oh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing right off the bat is this one of Lee's most adventurous bass lines on the album. I would I would say one of his most adventurous bass lines in the catalog. Um, wow. But uh, so the other two things. I will always say this whenever we talk about Alien Shore. I had the, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to speak with Alex Lifeson and his band Envy of None, the side project with Maya Wynn, Andy yeah. Kern, and Al. I've had, I've had Maya on the show. Yeah, she was yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh yep. yeah. Um, she's, she's really, really awesome. <laughs> I had a Zoom call with them back in June of 2022, and um, I had to ask Alex Lifeson this question. I said, "What is being said at the beginning of Alien Shore?" Because forever it's been debated online. It was men about oars or Alex holding his nose and saying out of my nose. It's neither. It's actually, it's actually Fala Balouche, which I don't know how you spell that, but Fala Balouche and it's Kevin Caveman Shirley, the um, recording engineer yelling, supposedly yelling into Alex's pickups. So, I'm not, oh. <laughs> I don't know anything about the technical aspect of that. I don't know how that works, but this is straight from the horse's mouth. That's what Alex Lifeson told me. Oh. And, and that, and Fada Balouche is caveman speak or Kevin Shirley, Kevin Caveman Shirley speak for, I'm so tired. So hopefully Rush Mystery solved for anyone that was wondering that. Wow. Um, the second thing, lyrically, I mean, th- this is, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll reference the lyric sheet again. Um, but, Oh, yeah. um, you know, it talks about uh, sex is not a competition, race is not a competition, color and culture, language and race, just variations on a theme, islands in a much larger stream. I love that lyric yeah. um, because it's basically saying, you know, we're all, in my opinion, it's kind of saying we're all humans, right? We're, we're not black mm. versus white, male versus female. Yeah. You know, we're not defined by those things. Um, we're all humans. And we're all just quite literally islands in a much larger stream. And it's, it's a really fantastic song, um, uh, of course. And, you know, you and I, we must dive below the surface, right. Uh, And, and reaching for the alien shore. It's like, we're trying, we're trying to, you know, reach to steal from half the world. We're trying to reach the other half. We're trying to reach those, those other, other folks. Uh, in life and i think yeah. it, it kind of calls back to nobody's hero try to hold some faith in the goodness of humanity i think it's i think a lot of what rush is is just be a good person yeah absolutely be kind yeah. be nice and yeah, i think it's reflective sure. in this sure. song uh, you know yeah uh, i mean metaphor 
Neil even mentioned in, in merely players that the polarity should be reconciled. Yeah, I will say I do like the lyrics in this one quite a bit. Yeah. It's uh it's, oh. a, it's a great song lyrically. And 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 we we should be diving below the surface. We don't do that enough oh, as, yeah. as as a people. I mean, look what's going on in the Middle East right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are we are all yeah. made of the same stuff. We all came from the same stuff and we'll all return to the same stuff. And in the meantime, we just have to point out that there's one thing different about you than me and I don't like it. So stop. You know, we, we just focus on that stuff. And Neil was, he wouldn't have any of that nonsense. Well, right at the end, I mean, it says, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We'd elect each other president. Um, but then the, the, just about the last line is we might agree. So again, we might mm -hmm. agree. We are reaching for the alien ship. At least make an attempt. That's I think what he's saying, right? And nobody's perfect, but make an attempt to to reach out to those that are different or alien to you, right? So yeah, 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 for sure. God, I miss that guy. Oh yeah, jeez. <laughs> All right, heck yeah, man. Gosh. All right, so we'll again. I I love the bass work in that song. It's some of the some of the best that he's done. He, it's. Yep, yep. Uh, let's go to number seven, The Speed of Love. Love is born with lightning bolts, electromagnetic force, burning skin and fireworks, a storm on a raging course. Like a force of nature, Love can fade with the stars at dawn Sometimes it takes all your strength Just to keep holding on I think this is for me the, the part of the album that dips a little bit. This I feel like oh. this is the most meh song on the album to me, and maybe in the oh. rush catalog. But I again I like it. I don't skip it. I sing along to it. It's just again down the down the the rankings a bit for me. Jim, what do you got? Yeah, I'll well, go first. I, I'll go Ryan, right Ryan, you go first. I don't care who goes first. You guys all right, I'll go. I, no matter, I, I go think I, I will just say I will counter what you said, Michael, I actually like the second half of the album more than the top half of the okay. album. Just to, every single one of these songs from Alien Shore onward, I adore. And this being one of them, I will say, I still don't know what the speed of love is or, or <laughs> what that means. But I like you, I do always find myself singing along to the lyrics. I mean, it's, it's a mid-tempo love-ish song, right? I mean, kind of calling mm -hmm. back to Roll the Bones, you know, Ghost of a Chance. Mm. You know, heresy some of these mid-tempo rush songs but yeah i mean it's i the speed of love I, I don't know maybe it's you know when you're in a relationship when you're in a loving relationship the speed is is a metaphor for you know emotions change sometimes you're you know you're really digging it sometimes you're kind of disconnected from it that's kind of what i think he's meaning here but um and of course those two things are counterparts right um mm -hmm. but I, uh, lyrically yeah i mean it, 
or I should say the title, I, I, I still don't know exactly what's trying to be said here, but I do, th- I do love the song. I, I think it's a fantastic mid tempo rush song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, uh, Neil, Neil talked in, in a modern drummer interview that, you know, love is at least in songs, I guess, maybe it's painted as sort of this perfect relationship. So he was trying to bring this back to reality. It's not perfect, right? And even the lyrics reflect this, right? So one one lyric that I that I grabbed that I wrote about before too is love shines in many forms. One night we are bathed in light, one day carried away in the storms. So things change, right? That's the counterpart. And things change. And with mm-hmm. with relationships and love, you know, that changes too. You have your good days and your bad days, but you know, you always work, you know, to work it out. You know, and this is this is a great mid-tempo rocker you know i think there's there's enough in here i think to keep it interesting to to keep listening to um neil did and of course i'm a drummer so i have to focus on this right he incorporated a lot of different techniques in this you know he's got he's got you know different accents on his on his hi-hat pattern when he's playing playing the verse groove he's got some upbeat accents um then he goes into like a marching snare drum deal you know, to bring to bring back out of of that transition back into a chorus, and I mean, I I I have never ever skipped a song. Yeah, I, and again, I don't, and I think that's what's what's great is we all love Rush, and and all Rush fans have their own opinions, and and oh I, yeah, and, and that's fine. Yeah, you assert one guy will say, "Oh, I don't like this song." I know people that yeah. leave concerts early because they don't want to hear tom sawyer again and it's like i that that's ridiculous to me <laughs> but <laughs> what are you doing man well yeah i you will know, add we don't have to talk we don't even have to touch i can oh, yeah. feel your presence in the silence that we share that speaks volumes because like when you're oh, in yeah. love with someone you can you kind of know what they're thinking without even them talking right in, in the silence that you share and got to keep on moving at the speed of love nothing changes faster the speed of love got to keep on shining at the speed of love nothing changes faster than the speed of so it's like keep on keeping on like you're in love with that person things are going to be good and bad but yeah yeah and i think because the way he says that you know nothing changes faster than the speed of love because the speed of love is not constant it's you know, it's, right. it's exactly. frenetic yeah. in the beginning when everything is new and fresh, and then yeah. it gets a little more comfortable yeah. and laid back after a right. while, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. That was pretty smart. No, That's is... why they called him the professor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will say though, um, it, it again, I don't, I don't skip it. It's a good song. I just feel like, for me, I love the front half of this album and the the last couple of tracks so much that it just by comparison uh, it makes the others seem a little less standoutish for me. Uh, let's move on to track eight, Double Agent. Where would you rather be? Anywhere. Anywhere but here. When will the time be right? Anytime but now. Anywhere. Anywhere, 
edge of sleep I was drifting for half the night Anxious and restless Pressed down by the darkness Bound up and wound up so tight This is a song that for me it gets it sort of gets things back on track for me a little bit I love the riff I like that Rush went in a new direction was brave enough to put this song on the album with spoken word lyrics that's not something that they do i mean when's the last time mm-hmm. they had spoken words a necromancer yeah the oh, twilight gosh, zone, maybe. yeah yeah i mean yeah <laughs> yeah maybe so subdivisions wow. but yeah they're just uh, one word <laughs> well, that, yeah but yeah but if you think of something like the necromancer there is there is the spoken word just kind of telling the narrative there yeah. and yeah. and double agent has that it's it's different. Like they they execute it in in a different way. But yeah, this is and I, this is the other song that I thought you know fit not as much as like like uh like nobody's hero did with the rest of of the album. But it does have that heaviness, mm-hmm. right? So like with nobody's hero doesn't have the pure heaviness that a lot of the other songs do, right? This does have the heaviness. But yeah, there are there are some differences and, and and you're right i mean it's it's great they did some of the different take chances and i love it when they do that because i i think that's what makes rush rush they're they're, they're doing an old thing their own thing and they're like hey let's try this yeah and i, I like the, yeah. the counterbalance between this spoken word sort of a film noir narration type of, of yeah. verses and then you get the melodic chorus. I think it plays it off each other very well. Uh, this is, a, and Jim knows this, this is a top 10 favorite Rush song of mine. And originally, the first couple times I heard this song, I hated it. I hated it. And because I had these lyrics on the edge of sleep, I was drifting for half the night. That part, the spoken word, the, the deep spoken word, stuck in my head when I was trying to sleep uh, a, a night before a golf tournament, <laughs> I was playing. It. I, I was already going to a golf tournament. I couldn't sleep because friggin' double agent was stuck in my head. And, and there I was on the next morning on three hours of sleep with double agent still stuck in my head on the golf course. I'm like, this, this song sucks because, you know. But um, it's a random story that I somehow remember. But it's one of my favorites now. I I've just come to love this song. Uh, Getty says he described this song as a complete exercise and exercise in self-indulgence he he fancied a change of pace and have a track where the band has a bit of a rave he said in another interview this is where they got their yayas out he introduces this song on counterparts tour as a song that is a bit demented and it is i mean it's it's counterparts it's you know to me it's it's the line that perfectly describes what this song is about to me is my angels and my demons at war and that is what is on the the lyric sheet. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. My angels and my demons at war. It's like you know, the, you know, the the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other shoulder, in cartoons type of thing. I mean, that's kind of what I get from this song. But you know, the choice between darkness and light. Yeah, I wonder how many counterparts there are in the lyrics to this song. You talked about the angels, oh, man. And, and then the darkness and light. I mean, there's got to be way yeah. more than that right. in there. Sure. Du- duality was very, very much on Neil's mind in this, the writing sessions for this. Just, and and so yeah. this is one of the last songs record, uh, recorded for the record, too, for what it's worth. And I, I, I just mm. find something new every time I listen to this album. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. Yep. All right. From the spoken word to no words at all, 
go to track nine, leave that thing alone. nominated for a grammy award for best rock instrumental performance do you know what beat it uh behind my camel but right behind my camel from uh or was that uh, no was that yyz that was that was yyz oh wait oh, oh uh was it was it something from the police it was not oh. it was marooned by pink floyd wow really yeah yeah, interesting. Wow. <sighs> so Pink Floyd beat out Rush. I guess if you're gonna lose to somebody, it's not there's no shame in losing out. Well, behind Pink my Floyd. camel was the police. That was yeah. released in nineteen eighty. That's okay, yeah. That's what beat out YYZ for yeah. or the YYZ for the Canadian speakers. Um that's <laughs> what beat that out in eighty one. Yep. Yep. So this thing is uh it's a good solid instrumental, very cool guitar melody in this thing it became sort of a concert staple for them. I think they got a lot of mileage out of this and they seem to enjoy playing. Sure. Again, all three of these guys, just virtuosos. You can listen to oh, the yeah. song three times in a row, focus on each player and just be amazed at what you oh, hear yeah. differently. You're, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I love instrumentals <laughs> just in general. And yeah. This one's so great, just with how it starts with them, you know, them all together and, you know, Getty's bass line that comes in, you know, shortly after, you know, just the changes that that Neil has. He does like a jazzy thing in here. He's got some, you know, African styled rhythms that he's playing there. Um, I believe he's doing a, uh, I believe he's triggering a tambourine with his foot. And probably when they were recording that, they did that too. Instead of overdubbing it, I'm going to assume, maybe, I don't know. Live, I know live, he does that anyway. He'll do that. He'll trigger stuff with his, with his foot. Yep. Yeah, this is, this is just a great instrumental that's got, you know, a few things, a few things in it, right? It's a few of those different flavors in it. Yeah. And I like the, I like the humor from the band, the, the callback to where's my thing. And then yeah. leave, that thing <laughs> yeah. alone. leave that thing alone. Yeah. Yeah. No connection between the two other than the word. Just thing. The, title, the title. The yeah. title. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have much to say about it other than I love it. I mean, I, I don't have much to say about instrumentation. I mean, I definitely feel like Alex's guitar playing is very, that provides the vocals in this song. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that. Yeah. To me, I love it. Yeah. I, I love this solo. It's, it's, it might be my favorite Rush instrumental, actually. Even really? Yeah. Wow. it's definitely even there. more even more so than than everybody's like, proper favorite like la via strangiano yeah it, it, it's it's <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> um it, it's up there it's definitely i love it i love this yeah I love it's this, you know. 
Yeah, it really is. And and you got the sense in there too. Right. And yeah. I think the the way that they're used, you know, that's really providing more of a texture to me. Yeah, it's not there the synths I are not trying to take a forefront. Right. And you know, because I, I think in, in other albums where the synths were doing that, you know, Alex had to sort of, you know, find his spot. And and I always thought he found his spot like in in such an amazing way. It's just a hallmark of a fantastic musician to, you know, to be able to do that. But I don't think the synths are taking that forefront like they had in the past on this tune. Yeah, I think that that Getty did a good job of reining that in and just using them for depth and texture. Yeah. And 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 giving Alex his space. And I, I I like what Ryan said. I think that's perfect, the perfect thing to say about it, that the guitar serves as the vocals in this song. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget the dancing seahorses on the friggin' big screen behind them on the time machine tour. <laughs> Whatever those those things that are like bopping up and down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Huh? No, I have to watch that again. It's been go a while since the, I've seen the video. Go it was watch on the, the time, on time machine. Yeah, okay. it it it's it was much more noticeable when you were there in concert. But like within the first minute of the know, yeah. of the song, look at the screen behind them. There's like these, it's like black screen. It's like these black seahorses with these white spots under them, like these bopping up and down like seahorse looking things. It's the goofiest, okay. dumbest thing, but it always caught my attention, and I always think of that when I hear this song. Just. Okay. These seahorses bopping up and down. <laughs> and so it, dumb. Uh, I'll have to check it things, out. One of the coolest things about them is the, the stuff that they added to their live shows that just right. oh my gosh, off yeah. The wall. I mean, the so great. rotisserie chicken cooking behind them and all that's, that stuff. That's just... great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Love the 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 would have I would have loved to have caught one of the shirts from the dryer. But I just never, <laughs> yeah. I never had seats that good that late in their career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're moving right along. We get to track 10, Cold Fire. spoil this right now this is my favorite song on the album and one of my very ah, favorite rush songs just nice. fantastic opening riff incredible drumming excellent lyrics the the vocal performance the chorus is so good uh the pre-chorus is good and the chorus is good and i just i love the way the lyric plays out as you know i said this and she said this and it's it's very very cool and again different for rush yeah 
Yeah, you know, lyrically for sure, because it's it's about a relationship with two people, right? Not not a love song. And it even says this is not a love song, right? The the lyric says that. But it is really a relationship song. And if you read through the lyric sheet, it kind of sounds like it could be a conversation that, you know, who knows if that conversation turned into an argument later on or if they sort of rein that in. I guess that's up for us listeners to to decide what happens, you know, lyrically in our head, you know, as, as they go on. But, yeah, this is this is a great tune. And and I love um, I love the the counterpart in the music between the verse and the chorus. Right. There's there's enough changes in the verse, I mean, Neil Neil is even using an electric snare sound, mm. you know, and and it's really kind of changing up, very much changes up the sound and and almost the feel a little bit. And then when they hit the uh, when they hit the chorus, it's he's back to hitting his his primary snare, um, and you know, just totally rocking. So I, I love that. I love that difference that they're doing there in the music too. Yeah, Ryan, you fan of Cold Fire. Yes, I am very much so, and and the, the counterpart in the title too, cold yeah. fire. I mean, yeah. you know, fire's not cold, fire's hot, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's a little country ditty. Yeah, it's a good old fashioned country song called yeah. Cold Fire. As, fire. as right. he introduced Diddy it on counterpart. Introduced that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, funny. what other Rush song uses the phosphorescent wave on a tropical sea is a cold fire. The pattern of yeah. moonlight on the bedroom floor is a cold Four. fire. The flame at the heart of a pawnbroker's diamond, diamond is cold. Is that a wedding band that's being pawned after a negative conversation? I mean, like, you know, the yeah, look in your right? eyes as you head for the door is a cold fire. And then how, how it, it, how the song ends, how the, how they take the song out is love is blind. If you are gentle, love can turn to a long, cold burn. And again, a counterpart there too. Right. So, yeah, I think this is Neil at his most literary. I, that's one of the things I love about this song is that chorus and the, the juxtaposition of the ultimatums that it sounds like she's giving him. You know, mm-hmm. don't break the spell, don't cross the line. And and then he goes to, you know, those those things you just read out, which are they're all individual things, they're all things of great beauty. The phosphorescent wave, the the pattern of moonlight, the 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 diamond and and even her eye, but there's no warmth in any of those things. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think this is it. I mean, it literally states part of the lyrics is this is not a love song. This isn't fantasy land. And I think it's, yep. yeah, I think it's the negative aspects of love, right? I think it, whereas the speed of love, uh, obviously we talked about how that can go both ways, but I would say probably more from a positive perspective. In my opinion, this is kind of the counterpart to that song in that this is kind of the negative aspect of love and mm. what kind of can happen with yeah. with love, right? Yeah. That's and kind of how it, I think and to me to me this 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 conversation that i that i see in in the lyrics is happening to me with with two people who are at the early stage of their relationship not not somebody who's been married for like 20 years but more of the yeah, earlier stage right because i mean some of the lyrics right you know uh i got it right 
I'll be your partner right, well, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know, sure, my heart is boundless, but don't push my limits too far. So it's like you're trying to get to, to know each other. You know, don't don't disappoint me. You know how complex women are, right? So it's, it's kind of like, to, to me, they're, I mean, maybe others will interpret it differently, but yeah. that, that's how I interpret it. I like the I've way that you're... Wondered. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I was I was just going to say, I like the way that the roundtable talked about it in terms of um you know i'll be around if you don't push me down too far or if you don't yeah. let me down too far so i like i'm in right. this but you know yeah there, there are limits line. don't yeah. screw it up don't yeah. screw it up yeah. <laughs> I, i've always wondered this one and 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 i think i know the answer but um where is it um you was talking about it. You know how complex women are. Is 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 what be what's being said here? Is it complex women? Some women are complex, and you know how those women are. Or is it women as a whole, and you know how women can be complex? Like what? You get what I'm asking? Like what yeah, is it? Like I what do. is he trying to say? I yeah. do. And that's a is it Some women that are complex, or is it all women are? Yeah. complex as a whole like what is what is he saying that's there, that's right? see that's that's or the both. thing that bothers jerry that bother uh, when i had steve and jerry <laughs> on, that that line bothers him um i there's a couple of ways you can interpret that because he's talking about what i said what she said or what he you know i uh, she said just don't disappoint me and it could be that she's given him a, a like a little jab with you know how complex women are or it could be him saying she said, just don't disappoint him? me. And then him back to him saying, you know how complex yeah. women are. You know, yeah. it could be him, the narrator telling the story. And it's funny you say that because I, yeah. I think I True. had that conversation with Jerry years ago. And he brought that up to me and it got me thinking, like, what is it? Like, what is it? I think he's saying, I think it's the man saying women as a whole are complex. But just the way that it, which in my experience is true, but you know, they're hard not to crack women, but uh, no, I think um, <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely, it definitely makes you think and it definitely lets you the song as a whole and, and, and every rush song, it lets you form your own opinion. And, and, and I think yeah. that's why we're here having this discussion or why we have these rush roundtables or so forth. Yeah. So forth. Why you know, would you talk about it? Neil, Neil even mentioned in, in contents under pressure that he said, um, and I'll just take part of this. He said that this managed to be a grown up. He's talking about like a, a relationship, right? With the mystified guy and the smart girl. And then he goes, yeah, I like the so. subtext of that. The guy is kind of dumb and she's really smart and cynical. <laughs> so he's, he's, it, it's like they're, they're doing the counterpart of, you know, how are each of the, you know, the different people in the relationship being, and mm -hmm. the guy happens to be the one who's, you know, kind of an idiot. And the girl's like super smart. <laughs> That's often the case. Which is yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> that is usually but, the case. I mean, that's the thing is that's why, that's why, you know, they're, that they are such a mystery to us because they are complex and we're simple and they don't believe that we're as simple as we are. Yeah. Like, what do you think about right. nothing? Nothing. And they don't. They don't believe really that for not. a second. And you're really yeah. not thinking about anything. It's like yeah. I saw this 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 meme on the internet years ago, and it's it's like women can think back 
they they remember something that happens in a conversation 12 years ago but when it comes to asking a man you know do you have a paperclip yeah it's on the right side of my desk right below the the garbage like they know the stupid shit like that like yeah. the yeah. right there like they know where all yeah. that stuff is but god forbid you open the fridge and you know where's the bread and it's staring right at you in the face and 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 she has to tell you but like that's yeah. you know i think or, um, or strangers or buy one chromosome right yeah. like which is or, talked about in uh heaven forbid you forget, short. You, you forget your anniversary <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> or the, or the day you down, started right? dating, like a million years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. got to worry about that part. The anniversary, we got. I got that. <laughs> got the important yeah. stuff down. And I, no, I it's all that, important. I just love that opening so rip to the song too. The, the rip to the song that. And it, yeah. It, it's again so they did so many things on this record that they had never really done before, and, and that's what makes it such an interesting album. Well, Neil said in Beyond the Lightest Stage, you know, what's the quote? It's uh, the words that doesn't suit Rush have never been uttered. Right. And and this song, they do so many different things on this song. You know, they do a lot of different. They take a yeah, lot of different approaches with. And, and, but I just love the fact that the theme runs through it completely throughout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So here we are finally at track 11, Everyday Glory. Ah, uh, Yes. Mama said some ugly words Daddy pounds of war They can fight about that little girl later Right now they don't care at all No matter what they say No matter what they say No matter what they say Everyday people, everyday shame, everyday promise, shut down in flames, everyday sunrise, another everyday story, rise from the ashes, place of everyday glory, rise from the ashes, place of everyday glory. I love that the album concludes with such a positive message at the end though we live in trying times we're the ones who have to try though we know that time has wings we're the ones that have to fly this song is a perfect microcosm of the album's running theme of duality you know anima animus uh male female all of that it's heartbreakingly brutal in the verses but yet oh gosh yeah but it's still an uplifting song somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that first verse is, is very heartbreaking, you know, just like the imagery that, that, that he's painting of, you know, I get this picture. I, I probably can't say this without tearing up. Right. But this picture of this girl, just like this, you know, shutting her eyes and just hoping it all stops. And that's, that's sad. Yeah. That's so it's like, a, it's sad. like from a, bird's eye view of what's yeah. going on in this girl's life yeah yeah, yeah. my gosh that's oof. yeah it's I, you're right the, the the image of the that he paints of the the girl maybe she's rocking back and forth trying to shut out the sounds of her parents arguing um yeah and the 
you you've got the lyric sheet in front of you. I'm trying to go off memory. It's something to the effect of that right now she doesn't matter or, or something along yeah. those lines. It, it's God, that's just yeah. they can fight about they can fight about they their little, little, girl little girl later. later. Right now they don't care at all. Yeah. 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 That's, and yeah. and that's and that's the girl probably, becomes an afterthought, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's oof. Yeah, that's tough. There, there's a one of the reasons I, I like this song is so much. I mean, I, I love the music, but the lyrics in this song are just incredible to me. You know, everything from that from that heartbreaking first verse to a little bit more of like the mundane life they talk about in, in the second verse, you know. Um, but you know, we still try to we still try to carry on. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I think I'll, that's that's part of, of the point of this is that we've got to get past our crap and think about the stuff that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, stuff that's do. important sure. and good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say I, I was listening a bit to something for nothing. Jerry and Steve's podcast today as I you know, prep for this. And um, one thing Jerry said that stuck with me about the song is he said that it's a that ending section, you know, I guess verse, if the future's looking dark all the way down to we're the ones who have to fly. He basically said that it kind of doesn't fit. Like it's, it's, it's lyrics that should have been placed somewhere else in a different song because he's just not a fan of the rest of the song. Mm. I'd have to disagree completely. Like, I feel like, yeah. I feel like that. I don't know if that's exactly the quote, but something to, to that effect. Right. So I will say that that verse is my favorite Neil lyric ever, ever. And, and I think, I think a lot of folks can agree that it's probably a top five Neil yes. lyric verse in the catalog, but I don't, yeah. and it, and it certainly does kind of stand above the rest of the song, but I don't think it makes the song bad in that regard. Like, I don't think it needs to be placed in another song. I, I do think there are parts of the song that kind of drag a little bit. They kind of become a little bit boring. Um, and I always find myself waiting, you know, for that guitar solo and for that ending verse, but that doesn't mean I don't, mm. I don't dislike the rest of the song because of that, I guess mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm going with it. You know, no matter what they say, everyday people, everyday shame, everyday promise shot down in flames, you know, rise from the ashes, the blaze of everyday glory. I mean, that's, that's all good stuff. That's all very sing alongable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, that a yeah. word? is that a phrase yeah right <laughs> <It is> now <laughs> um, sure. yeah um but yeah i mean there, there's parts that are kind of boring not but you know it, it definitely is a i think it's a i think it's a fantastic ending to the to the record i think it's a oh, fantastic it closing song yeah this is i think this song was put uh, at the perfect spot in this record to be the closing tune and and i think there's so much even though the lyrics start out dark they end in, in such like a realistic but positive note. Yeah, I right. think, and, and I think that makes the album end in a very positive, you know, way that you know kind of almost makes you smile just because of the positivity. Is that a word? Probably positivity. One of glow it. of hope right. and dignity. <laughs> a child can follow the light. Yeah, yeah. that's the, it's, the positive too. Yeah. This is. This is such a great song, and, and it is it is one of of my favorites. You you'll see you'll see where it is, but but it is definitely it's great. I mean, and you know, musically, 
uh, you know, when when you listen to it, you know, you could hear Getty, Alex, and Neil's parts, you know, very distinctly. I I can hear them very distinctly, but it's mm-hmm. the it's the what? How do I want to word it? It's it's kind of the the sonic togetherness of it that does it for me. So how all of the how the three instruments really come together, you know, and and how they mesh their, that creating creating this um this song for your um for all you weird dirty musician types for your aural sensitivity so yeah it gives a little little dance there yeah. <laughs> let me read it's, this it's still great Peart's inspiration for everyday glory came like many of his lyrics from his travels while many cynics yeah, disagree yeah. this song stems from his belief that in all neighborhoods of the world the heroes still outnumber the villains and it's yeah. I hope that's true. There are a lot <laughs> of good people, uh, you know, uh, and there are a lot of good people in the world, and there are bad yeah, people, there but are. there yeah, are yeah, still sure. a lot of good people in the world. A lot right? of good people, yeah. We Jimmy read about said, the exceptions yeah. to the papers every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the bad people get more pub. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they they do. Yeah. Jimmy, you said something about the you know being the perfect ending track for this album, and I don't think you can put it anywhere else on the record. Uh, except at no, the end no. and it's because of the way it builds it really builds to that yeah. climax at the end and I, I feel like there's nowhere to go on the record from that point on so you have to have it last yeah right yeah all right so gentlemen, a, lot like yeah. the, a lot like the garden in that respect oh, right oh, oh I could, yeah i could do yeah. five shows Ooh. just on the garden alone <laughs> <laughs> You know, I interestingly, I know this is not at all about counter about uh, Clockwork Angels, but I s- have still not listened to that song since Neil's passing. Oh, uh, really? That was the first song I listened to just to get out of the way <laughs> on yeah. my car. I, I, home I, 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 I know, I know, whatever I do is the last thing I'll say about that. I know, whatever I do, I need to have a box of tissues next oh, yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. I couldn't get through that song without crying before he passed. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm driving to work and I'm like, you know, <laughs> pushing the tears away, you know, <laughs> while I'm driving to work. <laughs> yeah. Pushing back yeah. the tears till the pain disappears. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. This, this, you know, great, great song. This um, everyday glory. Yeah. Fantastic album counterparts. Just all right. Incredible. Any, any closing thoughts, Ryan on counterparts? Yeah. Go listen to it. Spin it top to bottom. <laughs> and, uh, Heck yeah. You know, um, this some love fantastic record i think uh top five top five rush album in my opinion not in terms of just my favorites i think speaking from an objective standpoint i think it's that good i think yeah. it i think it can stand up to i think there's enough quality content on this record that it can stand up to <clears throat> this is probably a hot take but can stand up to moving pictures or can stand up to signals or permanent <laughs> waves or or 21 to I said this in I said this in a episode of The Contrarians. Counterparts is better than twenty one twelve. It's a more complete is, record. I think it's a more I think it's more consistent for sure. Yeah, for sure it's yeah. More I think consistent. it's a better I think it's a better record. I think it's uh more consistent. I think it's more yeah. complete. I think it's a better a, overall record. From a pure a front to back album perspective, it, it is more way and, more consistent than twenty one twelve is. But For keep sure. in mind, my my rush listenings went from back 
to front more or less not in mm-hmm. order but like obviously i started in 2007 as opposed to fans that started in 1976 and started with 2112 that obviously holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts sure yeah um, yeah yeah so i i did a lot of my discovering of rush just going back oh let me listen to that album or let me listen to that song as opposed to listening buying them as they progressed and came out so right you know i right. have a different perspective of how i don't look at these records as oh this came out in 93 what other records came out in 93 let me compare it to that i compare them to each other right so i have a different so there's that aspect of it but yeah yeah you like what you like yeah and you're you're certainly i mean just like jim said earlier i mean signals was his first so he named it as his favorite that's that's the thing is you you develop a bond with the first one uh so often like I, i don't i can't even tell you how many how many albums are on these shelves or on these shelves over here that I, I would say my favorite one is the first one I had from that band. Uh, that's, that's normally right. the case. Uh, there are exceptions obviously, but yeah. yeah, I mean, because that's what, that's the one that drew you in. So it's always got that special place in your heart that is really hard to overcome sentimentality. Yeah. So, but anyway, sure. that's, that's our, that's our counterparts uh, yeah. discussion. But uh, before we go, we're going to, nice. We're gonna we're gonna talk about our ranking Ugh. order, and I know it's, it's gonna it's gonna uh, like rattle some cages because it always you know this is the kind of thing that you always get the you get the emails about you get the the comments about. But uh, which of you gentlemen would like to go first? I'll, I'm ready. I'll go. I'll go. I mean, I <laughs> okay, you go. I'll go. All right. So I'm just gonna say that this is not easy. It's not. This no. was this was not easy. So. On my on my record. So do you want me to go from eleven up to one or one down to eleven? Sure. Let's do it Casey Kasem countdown style. So eleven <laughs> up to one. Yeah. Okay. So e- every song on this album is is amazing. But if I have to put them in order, I would probably do something like this. So nobody nobody chastises me too horribly bad. Just a little bit, okay? All right. So number eleven. At the very bottom, I'm going to put Double Agent. I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, you're getting scoffed at already. You're not, you're, you're not going <laughs> to like my number 10 either, right? You're not going to like my number 10. And it's because musically, this doesn't fit as, as well as the other ones. It's Nobody's Hero. And while I love the lyrics to that, it's just, I don't know. Number nine, Michael, you're going to be not happy with me, is Coal Fire. And and again, I, I I love the songs. I love them all. Yeah. So number number eight, cut to the chase. Number seven, between sun and moon. Number six, leave that thing alone. So it's kind of where right, sort of in the middle now. Okay. Now number five, stick it out. I do love that song. Number four, this might be unpopular with some people. Going, why has he not mentioned this song yet? The speed of love. The speed of love is pretty high up there for me. Number three, Animate. Number two, Everyday Glory. Number one, Alien Shore. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like ranking your children. Oh, yeah, yeah it's impossible, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan looks like he's ready to rebut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well... I'll try not to I've, scoff at yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real quick, so... I said this at the beginning, stick it out is at the bottom. Stick it out is 11. Then between sun and moon at 10, 
nobody's hero at nine. Leave that thing alone at. No, I'm going to switch this around. We'll go cut to the chase <laughs> at eight. <laughs> See, this, this is it. It's like, <laughs> Editing so, on the fly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stick it out between sun and moon. Nobody's hero. Cut to the chase. Leave that thing alone. Cold fire at six. The speed of love at five. Everyday glory at four. Alien shore at three. Anime at two. And double agent at one. Um, I think, but no, I mean, I think, like I said, other than anime, you know, all the tracks from the second side are in my top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? So, um, I definitely gravitate to the. I think, Michael, a lot like when you said you you think it starts to cool down, and I think that echoes what a lot of Rush fans like a lot of what the fan base thinks like it does start to cool down there i actually think it starts to pick up so those are some those are my and these are some of my favorite songs in the whole catalog right i mean yeah double agent anime alien shore are probably all top 20 yeah yeah so your 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 number one was my number 11 i know that's that's pretty funny i love it and it's a song that i hated (laughs) in the beginning too i mean yeah i love this record i i mean i freaking bought i love this poster of it right so i think it's um yeah fantastic album yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you my rankings, and I will All right. say I have out of these eleven songs, I absolutely love ten of them, and one I just like. So <laughs> there, so there's no there's no dislike here. So there's no attempt to diss any songs. But my eleven is the speed of love. Uh, my ten is leave that thing alone. Uh, nine is alien shore. Eight is double agent. Seven cut to the chase. Uh, six is everyday glory. Five is stick it out. Four is nobody's hero. Three, I've got animate. Two, I've got between the sun and moon. And number one, cold fire. It is, I, I think that's probably a top five or six rush song for me in the whole catalog, which is extreme praise. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about oh, yeah. it. Yeah, you know, if you ask me right, my ranking tomorrow, that'd probably be a little bit different. It would probably change, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. You you have to do it, and you have to just get it. Like, I know I, I've, I've been on a guest on this uh, other podcast, uh, Records Revisited, where they that's what you do is you rank the songs. And I, I found that I have to just sit down, give it a listen, and rank them and not think about it again. Because if I do, oh, I'll just yeah. start. I'll just change things every day until the recording. So Yeah, I... I, I do the same thing. If I have to rank something, I just do it and I walk away. And then maybe the day of, I'll look at it again and say, all right, is it still that way? And I would tweak a couple of things, but that's all. Yeah. You got to yeah. You got to know when to walk away from stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the rankings uh, are hard. Rushesaband.com on their Facebook put out a, a they put out, um, uh, his name's Ed that runs the page, puts out a, a ranker every album birthday so when celebrated a birthday on the 19th of october he put this out and other than the first three my list probably was different when i did that like less than a month ago so (laughs) wow yeah yeah um i mean that's how much yeah you know i don't i don't other than stick it out which is probably consistently at the bottom which again i don't dislike it's just my least favorite (sighs) um (laughs) I'm I'm doing the same thing for Double Agent for you. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, I, I know. 
I actually loved that song when it was done on Time Machine Tour because it was one of the first songs from Counterparts that I heard. And, oh uh, yeah, because of that. But uh, they're all they're all great. They're all good songs. It's a it's a very complete thematic. You know, it is. You're gonna you're gonna hear something different every time you listen to it. You're gonna hear you're yeah. gonna you're gonna learn something new every time you listen to it. Yeah, so, and you'll yeah. catch those references that Neil makes. Uh, you'll yeah. catch a new one just about every time. Yep. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, for sure. Really, really great album. It's been a lot of fun talking to you guys about it. I appreciate it, Ryan. Why don't you tell people, you. Uh, remind people where people where folks can find Rush fans and and all of your fine work. Give us give us all the links. Yeah, so uh, Rush fans originated on Instagram. You can find us at Rush fans. Uh, then we, well, we also have a Twitter slash X. You can find us at underscore Rush fans. Uh, it's not as active as the Instagram. You definitely want to follow us on Instagram if, if you're going to follow us in any of those two places. That's the most active. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And um, also very active is our YouTube channel. Uh, we're pushing video, you know, two videos out a week, one of a round table and generally one of something else. So like I said in the beginning, uh, just at Rush fans, all one word. Um, you could put in Rush Roundtable or over 200 episodes. We, we want to welcome folks. If you're a Rush fan, come talk with us. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. And oh yeah, we've built a tremendous community over the past three years, you know, throughout the pandemic and, and it's, it's continued, um, as you know, the pandemic is mostly over. Right. So, um, it, it's, uh, it's a wonderful community to be a part of. And, uh, we're, we've actually just wrapped up our counterparts song discussions as part of rush Roundtable. So we're moving on to test for echo going in order. So if you want to come talk about some of those songs on test for echo or anything post test for echo or anything random, uh, rush Roundtable at rushfans.net, shoot us an email and, uh, we'll have you on. That's awesome. Yeah. You, uh, I was actually, I was went to your YouTube page even today and I was, I clicked on a video because I really wanted to see it, and it was a premiere. It was it was, it was uh, not yet time to oh yeah <laughs> unlock it. I was like, dang, but I wanted it now. I'm American. I want it now. <laughs> yeah, where is it? Yeah. Jim, yeah, what about you? Any, anything you want to promote, Jim? Yeah, well, um, yeah, my I, I I my Instagram handle. I well, I I write the uh, the song discussion posts that come out on rush fans every wednesday i put them up very early wednesday morning and my instagram handle is there it's at jim.drum um and i am a drummer and i i put lots of drum stuff on there so you could come check that out it's it's usually static pictures of my drum kit so if that's boring then it might not be super fun but i I try to try to get some video content up there too but i'm not super super successful with that so yeah but it's at jim.drum on Instagram, and that's really the social channel that I I follow or, or that I I I use. I I don't really use Facebook too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a YouTube channel as well, but I I don't have that much stuff out there. All right, is your drum kit modeled after Neil's? Uh, not at all, actually. I I play a uh, four piece kit in in a contrast to Neil's. I don't know how many piece kit he had that. <laughs> And an acoustic kid yeah. in front of him, and his electric <laughs> electric setup behind him. That he he actually started that on the uh, Grace Under Pressure tour, and I thought that was a the coolest thing. 
So I thought it was pretty awesome. No, but it's it's very different because I I schlep my own gear, so it's uh, <laughs> gotta gotta make things easy for myself. <laughs> I that's what I always said. It's like if I was a drummer, I probably have like a three piece kit and a. <laughs> that's probably just that's all well, I want to bring in. You. I don't want to bring yeah. everything in. They're yeah, not going to get me, me with a gong and chimes and all of that stuff. Oh, God, but... no, no, <laughs> no, no uh, way. Well, it's been a lot of fun. I know Ryan yeah, and I talked about me. Maybe I'll come uh, and, and join you guys for a round. Yeah. Uh, we talked yeah, about maybe on. next year. There's a big uh, Grace Under Pressure anniversary coming out. So that be that might be a good, uh, good time to good. reconvene. But Ryan Murphy, uh, Jim Benner of Rush Fans, it's been great talking to you guys about this. It's uh, It's a great album. Uh, it's a lot, been a lot of fun to talk about it with you and and just uh, getting a couple quick listens in this week to get ready for this has been, I mean, just made it worth it just doing that. I mean, it's just fun yeah. to revisit a great album and, and to really dive in and, and to learn about it. And so now I got to go. I, I wasn't invited to the book club, so now I got to go get the Rush Song by Song book so I can uh, be, yeah. be better prepared next this time. Is, this is a... <laughs> This is a really cool book. Ryan turned me on to it, and it, it's it's really great. Rush song by song, yeah. I recommend it. All right. Everybody check out Rush fans uh, at all the places, especially their YouTube channel. That's uh, The videos are, are, are fantastic. I had a great time. Uh, you, you, it's funny. I was looking for – I was looking at you uh, – at your videos to see what you guys looked like because I, you know, I don't have a great <laughs> photographic memory, but I was like, it took me like five to find you, Jim. I don't, I was just randomly oh, clicking on ones. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't been on as much lately. I was on a whole bunch for a little while, but lately I haven't been. So I've, I, I've got to get myself on more. Yeah. I'll well, be on for some thing. of the test we, record thing. Yeah. We're not just, you know, we're not a, a podcast where it's just Jim and I, or right. Yeah. We're, yeah, it's we're a bunch of people. We're mm. a community, right? I mean, rush fans, plural. We're, mm. <laughs> We want, we're, we want, we want people, as many different, different faces, people. as many different opinions, as many different yeah. contributions as we possibly can. So, yeah, it's, Makes it's it fun. like, um, you know, looking through your channel and, and, and seeing the videos, it's like being at a rush convention. You have the I, same, I mean, same types of conversations. Yeah. Different yeah. people. It's good. That's yeah. good. Someone needs to be. carry the legacy on and that's what we're trying to do. Right. Through, you know, um, through conversation and just, and, and uh, I'll leave it at this. In episode 200, we talked about the one major impact Rush has had oh, on man. our lives. Gosh. And mine was not Rush or the Rush music. Mine was the friends that I've made through doing this. And there's something to be said about that. I mean, a, hand, a whole bunch of them I've actually been able to meet in person from all across the country. So, uh, unfortunately, I haven't met Jim yet, but there will be a time and place for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, – I consider some of these people my be my best friends at this point, and I think it's uh you know we all we all kind of uh you know bond over our our outcastness with uh, you know <laughs> personalities introverted personalities I guess and our love for Rush. So uh, come join us if you're if you're someone that doesn't have any Rush friends Rush friends come make some proper Rush friends and and join the community. It's great yeah. advice. Great advice. All right. Well, you know a lot of people. They like their 2112. They like their moving pictures. They like their hemispheres or their permanent waves. But don't sleep yeah. with counterparts. Go give it a listen. Check uh, it. Hope, hopefully, yeah. some of the stuff we said here resonates with you or entertain you in some fashion. Appreciate that you watch this and, or listen to the podcast version if you're not watching the YouTube. 
And uh, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Ryan. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. This was a phenomenal discussion. I Yeah, it was fun.